the challenge, the opportunity to connect. The 1960s, a time of imagination and change, a time of anger and fear. The 1960s, a program called Challenge. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Looked at our connections, our divisions, through the lens of faith. Nearly 60 years later, during these challenging times, we'll take a new look at our divisions, our connections, in a new program called Challenge 2.0. Often we examine difficult issues on this program. The implications are challenging, often painful for all of us, and the responses they demand are at the very least uncomfortable. But there are also issues that can be inspiring. That's true of the topic of this week's edition of Challenge 2.0. We'll focus on children with great needs, but little ability to express them, ones that have often resisted traditional therapies. We'll meet a talented Seattle area recording artist who has developed a program that harnesses the power of music to give these young people a voice and a future that at one time seemed impossible. Singing Away Silence. Well, the performing artist who has and is continuing to work wonders in the lives of so many is with me right now, and that is none other than Bernadette Bascom. Bernadette, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, really. Bernadette, your musical career, I can't think of any other way to put it, has been the stuff of dreams. Uh, it's impossible to encapsulate in any brief summary, but if you could tell us some of the highlights for you, what touched you the most and what are the memories that you most carry with you? Well, I think first of being a young girl and uh, knowing always that I, I was a singer, I, uh, an artist and uh, just being 18 years old and I was asked by a band that had the number one song in the country at the time uh, they were called the People's Choice. Uh, they were a lot older than I was, but they literally came to my house and talked with my parents and asked them if I could lead their band, be their lead singer at 18 years old, which is how I got here to Seattle. That was pretty big. What was, uh, what was the reaction of your parents? These people show up at the house and say, we'd like your daughter to join us on the band. What went through their mind and their heart? Well, I warned um, them first that they were coming, but when the uh, people from the People's Choice talked to me about it, I said, well, my dad's not going for that. My dad is not gonna do that. My father um, was the commissioner of the Baltimore City Fire Department. My father was a minister, a brilliant man. And the last thing he wanted for his daughter was for her to be a singer. I'm gonna tell you, we wrangled, but I think, like I said, I was 18 and in retrospect, my brother told me that I was 18. So it wasn't a lot he could really do about it. <laughs> but he actually, they came to Sunday dinner and afterwards they sat in the living room and discussed it. And my father actually signed. And I began to commute from Baltimore to Philadelphia, which is where they were from mm -hmm. on the, uh, it was a, uh, train service that was very fast that had just begun. The Metro Liner, I think it was called. And I would go from Baltimore to Philadelphia and work and then come home or stay a few days. But after we went on the road, I wasn't home very much. And when we got to Seattle, it was August. It was beautiful. 
No one told me about the rain. <laughs> <laughs> and I just stayed. And uh, our next stop was the um, Whiskey Agogo, which was the biggest nightclub in the, in the country at the time. And I quit and I stayed here in Seattle. So needless to say, they were like, oh my God, what has happened? But here I am still in this beautiful well city. Let's back up just a little bit. What are some of the venues that you've performed in? You mentioned the uh, Whiskey A Go Go, but what are some of the places that you've performed in? Well, for 15 years, I was a uh, staple on the Las Vegas trip. I sang uh, Bellagio, Caesars, uh, Flamingo Hilton, uh, New York, New York. I was one of the Supremes at the New York, New York Cafe. Um, at the Motown Cafe in Vegas. I was uh, a co-star uh, of a award-winning show called Divine Divas, Lot Vegas. Um, Japan, I went a couple of times, uh, England. I think one of the things that really struck me, Bernadette, is you talked about how important it is to have somebody that believes in you and helps support you and you had a very notable person that came into your performing career, your performing life at a very early age. Can you tell us who that was and what difference that made for you? Well, really, there were two people. My mom, because my mom believed in me always, and she would sneak me to rehearsals and sneak me to little gigs because she believed. And then the second person was Stevie Wonder. Um, I met Steve. Uh, I was about 16 years old and I had been doing voiceovers on the radio station in Baltimore. And I would introduce the dish jockeys on, on stage, I mean, on radio. Uh, the Baltimore Butterball, the high price spread. <laughs> I mean, I had all these little monikers, long and lean, lanky, Larry King. <laughs> and so um, I met Stevie at a concert and we began to chat. He wasn't too much older. His management knew my family and knew that I was, you know, capable and secure for him because you have to be careful with a blind child, young person. Mm -hmm. And we began, we were friends. As a matter of fact, I never told him I could sing until I was 25 years old. And he asked me, what? You're singing? What? He said, how come you never told me? I said, well, who would tell Stevie Wonder they could sing? And so he asked me to send him, uh, at the time they were cassette tapes. And I sent him a cassette of me singing and he called me in the middle of the night and said, I love it. I'm gonna, there's a ticket for you at the, air, at the airport. I want you to come down and talk to me about it. And he came up one night here at Parker's Ballroom and shocked everyone and performed with me and wrote me a song live on stage in front of 750 people who had no idea that I was an epicenter, which was one of the great bands I played with here. We were at Parker's and he just, I looked around and he was on the drums behind me. And I had written a song that he loved and he actually played drums on it. And anyone that's a musician or not understands that you don't just play drums on somebody's song. You have to know the song. And so it was, that was the beginning of it all. Recording, wow. 
and it, it was amazing. I remember actually calling my mom. We were at K Smith Studios and Stevie came for the first recording session. And I said, he's here, mama. I said, the car is pulling up, mama. He's getting out of the car, mom. He's walking towards the door, mom. He's here in front of me. I mean, it was just, it's, it's been a dream. It has really been an incredible journey. Wow. And that's a friendship you've maintained all these years. To, to today. Um, he called and checked on me, uh, I guess, two or three months ago. It's not, you know, daily or, you know. Right, right. But if, he, if I need him, he's there and he will call and check on me if he hasn't heard from me. Yeah. So I feel very blessed to have this. Plus, I'm his probably one of his oldest friends. And we all know how valuable that is in life now. To have someone you were 15 with, <laughs> to yeah. six, you know, it, it's just an amazing love and friendship we have. Now, you talked about uh, coming to Seattle, and I believe one of the things you did here in Seattle was you created a program uh, called Praise, I think. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and how that gave you sort of a sense of mission. Well, I, ha I had been in Vegas all those years. I was so lucky to get out of Vegas alive. <laughs> I mean, uh, Vegas is Vegas. And uh, I had been through a lot of things. The, the war started 9-11 mm -hmm. and Vegas was basically a ghost town. And I decided to come home to Seattle. And I put that show together to thank God for the career I'd had up to then, for bringing me home safely, uh, just to praise <laughs> a Sunday gospel supper. So I basically put a Vegas spin on it. I wore a gown, I had a, a 25 voice choir, they had robes and a 10 piece horn section and rhythm section. And I, I brought different famous friends of mine. I had Theo Peoples from The Temptations and Four Tops. I had Lenny Williams from Tower of Power, Mavis Staples, uh, Michael Powers, a Seattle, my Seattle friends. And we sang uh, gospel music, Vegas style. It was packed every Sunday, packed, standing room only. So it touched a lot of people and it absolutely accomplished my mission. Is that what led you to begin working with the developmentally disabled then that new sense of mission? Well, no, because I had been teaching, well, not even the disabled. Stevie was my first disabled friend. Hmm. Steve showed me how incredibly brilliant and together that people with disabilities were. I, you know, when I was coming up, we weren't exposed to people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. It was like they disappeared or whatever. Um, but what started it was I had been teaching at, which is now McMinimins. It was called Secondary Academy for Success. And it was an alternative high school. And I began teaching there, um, teaching alternative young people with blue hair and on another whole mission. 
And I turned them into swans. When I got through, they had gowns and gloves up to their elbows and singing. I taught them choreography from Motown, you know, from Motown. So, but one night I was performing and this woman grabbed my hand as I was sneaking past and just grabbed my wrist. And I said, yes, what, may I help you? And she says, have you ever thought about working with children with uh, special needs? And I said, no, I hadn't. I said, but I'd be honored to try. Mm -hmm. And that was 10 years ago. And I went and I met these young people. They were called the Wranglers in the North Shore District in Bothell. It was about 20 of them. And I started realizing that not only was it fun, but these young people were learning to say words. And the more, and then I started to gravitate more to a, a way, a technique of teaching them, which came down, because we do a lot of things, Jeff, but mm -hmm. we do not teach our children to speak. I'm talking the jaw movement. I'm talking the tongue, the lips. The technique, it's like driving a car. There's only one way to drive a car. <laughs> the same way with speech. And so as they began, and I let them pick their own songs, mm -hmm. and they were trying their best to say it. So I taught them how to say it. And before you knew it, one of my young ladies, Chloe, totally nonverbal. She got up on stage that first concert and she said, this is for mommy and daddy. Wow. I love you. And we needed life preserver's to, we were floating in there. <laughs> I have so many stories like that. It, it's yeah. incredible. Now, it sounds like this grew out of some of the standard exercises that you learned to develop your singing talents and abilities, and you just uh, perceived how this could be adapted to young people facing these challenges? Well, more, Stevie sent me to voice training, mm -hmm. but I learned the breathing from him, and I learned some good things, but who I learned from was the road. Who I learned from was audiences. Mm -hmm. Who I learned from was gigging, um, how to touch people, and how I could make sure that every performance was going to be good. Mm -hmm. Because I knew that if I used my mouth a certain way, my tongue, my lips, that that basically made it possible for me never not to be sure I'd be a success. Mm -hmm. Um, my parents spoke well. My father spoke well. I noticed that, and especially children with uh, Down syndrome and a lot of different, tend to hold their mouth tight. Mm -hmm. They have very weak musculature around their mouth. And so I began where we all began with da, 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 da makes the jaw drop. Ma mm -hmm. makes the jaw drop. The tongue is in, included. I just went back to basics. Mm -hmm. 
Now, we have a video clip that you provided us, and I believe it's a young woman named uh, Bella. And we're just going to air a little bit of that. But tell us what her challenges were, where she was at when she came to you. Bella was silent, shy, and all she did was smile. She was like this. So pretty. Such a pretty little girl. And just didn't say a word. And now she's singing on the radio. Oh, 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 on the radio. And singing Donna Summer, singing the Carpenters. Uh, it's been an amazing journey for Bella. I think the amazing thing is not only is she singing, but she's standing up in front of people on stage. Did you see sort of a light go off with Bella after she had that first experience? Yeah, but it was more confidence in herself. Mm -hmm. um, her singing improved, yes, but she looks at people in the eye now. Um, matter of fact, um, the concert, I was lucky to have you uh, be <laughs> the master of ceremonies. Um, that was standing room only. It was. I can speak to that. Yes. And, and they, matter of fact, uh, they were interviewed backstage. I didn't even know this. And Bella actually pointed to the girl standing beside her and said, she's my friend. That blew me away when I saw it later, to see mm -hmm. her interact outside of the singing, to see her uh, so secure in herself that she was actually coaching someone else what to say. It was amazing. It's been amazing. Well, there are so many amazing examples. I saw that as part of the concert, and that was part of the inspiration for uh, doing this. Uh, let's take an example of another student, and I think his name was Skylar. Was Skylar also nonverbal, uh, not speaking at all at that point? Pretty much, yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, I had to, uh, when Skylar's mom, and it was Skylar's mom that grabbed my wrist and asked me had I ever really? thought about Judy Gratton. And uh, Skylar was the one that didn't want to be in the program. Mm-hmm. So I remember his mom and I talking to him about it. And, he's, he's, and I looked at his mom and I said, he can't do it, Judy. That's what it is. Really? So angry. Yeah. So, yes. So we're just going to show just a, a brief clip of this. Okay. And this is Skylar. Be kind, be kind. Hard. Like doors open wide, open wide, like wood over time, over time. Wow. Bernadette, uh, now he's on stage singing. Uh, when his mom saw him, what did she say to you? What did what was her response? 
just joy. So happy that I always tell her that she's the reason that started all this. I I compliment her a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, she is still my friend. I don't I don't really remember her exact words, but I know that she might be my biggest supporter mm-hmm. in the world. And the fact that wait, there's more that Skylar is in community college. I actually was helping Skylar give. He had a little tiny dissertation to to give, and I helped him with his emotional moments when he should speak a little louder or concentrate on one word, especially. But Skylar is my my chatterbox. Skylar was talking to me about the something of mathematics. The the modernity of something he can talk so good now it was like it turned on a a button and this is the best part we had um king five um i can't remember the the young anchor's name come to the program and he went straight to skylar and i started to say no no and then i just and skylar spoke so well that I called his parents and I said, you guys need to take him out to dinner. You guys need to do something and watch this because we couldn't believe it. Yeah. They're all like this. This is not like some tiny little yes, no. These kids are able to say, like one child, her father came to me with tears in his eyes and he said that his daughter, who never said anything, had come into the kitchen while he was working. Mm-hmm. sat next to him and said so dad how was your day and he said he almost fell backwards out of his chair yeah he came to me at class a couple of weeks later with tears in his eyes thank you Bernadette it's like that it's it's some presence that makes them that opens them up when I use music it's it's past me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm 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 not saying I'm a Svengali. I'm doing what my my spirit tells me to do with them. And when I go to each child, it's mm-hmm. like I can hear what they need. I know. I had my first child, a, a young lady, for the first time yesterday. Never worked with her before, and last night her mom sent me a video of her practicing. Mom's so proud and overwhelmed already. Mm-hmm. One one hour. It's a gift. And it's a gift that I don't take credit for. I think you've said before there are uh, five most important words that they say. What are those words? I can do this too. I can do it too. Yeah. And they can. They surprise me every time. I never go in with an underestimating anybody mm-hmm. first i never did but especially with these young people it's like they've got these hidden resources i always say this jeff what if these young people have the answer to the world mm-hmm. and no one ever bothered to ask them or teach them to say mm-hmm.
I'm always shocked at how much they have to offer when they can speak, when they, and their wit and, and their ability to, to be funny, but to be strong. Mm-hmm. They, they, they humble me all the time because they have such a great personality and, and their take on life is precious. They're always happy. They always smile. They have the hardest lives that we probably could imagine. But it, there's always joy with them. Always laughter. Uh, when you look at the range of people that you've helped, yet you realize there are so many other people out there that could benefit from this. Uh, you are now working on an app to try to bring this to more people uh, with Microsoft. Tell us a little bit about that. So what we're doing is we're building an app where I can teach my technique to others to use in their family situation. It's It's been a the best thing that ever happened to me and to my team. And uh, one of my team members wrote me a letter at Christmas and he said, as you know, there's there's not a, a lot of emphasis on love here. Thank you, Bernadette, for bringing love here. Mm. That is the highest compliment I think I've ever been made. Yeah. That's a wonderful gift and a wonderful mission, uh, Bernadette. Thank, thank you. you so much for joining us. And oh, uh, as I say, stay in touch. Let us know what's going on with the app and uh, continued blessings and uh, good fortune to you and to your students. So thank thanks again. Back at you, Jeff. Thank you. And thank you all of you for watching this edition of Challenge 2.0. Tell your friends about it. And we hope you'll join us again in next week's edition of Challenge 2.0. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed this program, found our conversations to be informative, entertaining, and thought-provoking, and the vision inspiring of people from different backgrounds who can disagree without being disagreeable, perhaps you might consider supporting our program with a contribution. Your support will not only help our program continue, it will also support the broader efforts of Paths to Understanding, our supporting parent nonprofit organization.